three teams have advanced to the NBA Conference Finals: the Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets in the West, and the Miami Heat in the East. Among the three, only the Nuggets are the conference leader. The Lakers and the Heat are only the West and the East seventh and eighth seeds who had to compete in the play-in tournaments to reach the playoffs. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am your host Li Xiang. Let's begin with the Lakers Warriors series. The key words to these six games are change and respond. No matter how much criticism Coach Darwin Ham has faced since he took over the Lakers, he proved that he is always one step ahead of his Warriors counterpart Steve Kerr. Under the Ham's defensive policies. Anthony Davis has guarded four different players, not in switching, but in the initial matchups. He marked Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, Andrew Wiggins, and Gary Payton. All of them either don't shoot three-pointers at all, or at best, are inconsistent three-point shooters. Ham gave Davis players like these to guard not only because he wanted to maximize Davis' defensive dominance in the paint, but also because he wanted to make sure that Stephen Curry would face even better defense after his teammates set a pick for him. Davis' job is not done yet. From the second quarter of Game Three, he began to close out on many defensive occasions, not to contest every of the Warriors' shot off the dribble around the screen, but to make it more difficult for the Warriors to move the ball. That's why, at least from the beginning, Curry was still able to attack like he usually does, but Clay Thompson failed to maintain his offensive production. It's true that aging and injuries have slowed Clay down, but it's also obvious that Davis, by stepping out of the paint, interrupted the Warriors' pace of the game. Steve Kerr was not a sitting duck. He made his response to alter how the Warriors attack and defend. There was some success, like Gary Payton II making a sneak raid in the back door, Wiggins working next to the hoop, or even Draymond Green doing more offensive work off the dribble. But Kerr never solved the problem for Curry. As the series went on, Curry found it increasingly difficult to attack. In Friday's game six, for example, he even found that the opponents started four guys who could at least. Guard him without being torn apart. Dennis Schroeder, Reeves, Davis, and LeBron James all deserve a part of that medal in limiting Curry to 11 out of 28 from the field. The Lakers could accept that Curry scored 32 points in a very difficult way, but definitely not drop 50 points in an unstoppable way. I'm not trying to blame Kerr for the lost series. He is responsible, but so are everyone else on the team's roster, especially Jordan Poole, who led the team down again and again. The Lakers are one of the best-performing teams in the league after the mid-season trade deadline. They can and did hit the Warriors where it hurts the most, both offensively and defensively. There was never a better choice for Kerr and the Warriors, but only the less painful choice. The Warriors already have one of the biggest payrolls in the league, and they're likely to negotiate extensions with both Draymond Green and Klay Thompson this summer. Both will be tricky. Draymond damaged his reputation in the worst way after punching Poole in the preseason practice, trampling Domantas Sabonis in the series against the Sacramento Kings, but proved he is still an important piece of the team in the playoffs. Klay, by contrast, missed. 39 of his 51 shots since Davis closed out. When I was watching Game Six, 
I thought that every brick clay generated is worth a million dollars. But for a historically top three shooter like him, you can never say, "Let's let him go. We won't regret." As for Paul, since the Heat, well, before the playoffs began, couldn't find a satisfactory offer for either Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero, I don't see how the Warriors can get rid of Paul and make a dime by doing it. It's kind of magical that 38-year-old LeBron James appears in the conference finals again. I know I said a lot about him being too old to stay dominant on both ends for eight, 48 minutes and how much I admire his work in other than scoring, but after six games against the Warriors, he is still the leading scorer of the Lakers. When he attacked in Game Six, he was still efficient and had an even better command of his skills to switch among scoring, orchestrating, playing with the ball, off the ball, investing in guarding his target, or rotating to help. This is the fifth meeting between LeBron and Curry in the playoffs, and the first time that it didn't happen in the NBA Finals. Judging by their age, form, and teammates, the chances of them doing it again—well, I don't hold my breath for it. LeBron will meet another old friend in the West Finals. Three years ago, they knocked out Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets in a gentleman's sweep and won the NBA championship in the end. After that, the Lakers didn't go any further than the first round of the playoffs, while Jokic grew to become a back-to-back -back NBA MVP. He didn't have much to brag about his playoff record either, but the Nuggets seemed different this time. I admit that I share the stereotype thinking of expecting Jokic to be punished by Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and even DeAndre Ayton in the middle range. I even thought that Cameron Payne could make Jokic pay with his speed. But the reality is, the Suns had no CP3 from Game Three and missed Ayton in Game Six. Though honestly, neither seemed able to make any difference, even if they had played. Judging by their performance when they did play, it's popular in today's NBA to build or try to build a competitive squad around Big Three or at least a star dude. The Nuggets don't have a Big Three, actually. I don't even know who their third in command is. Is it maximum contract holder Michael Porter Jr.? Is it coach Mike Malone said he is an all-star and he can guard Kevin Durant, Aaron Gordon, or is it Bruce Brown who became the Suns' nightmare in Game Five and Game Six? One thing for sure, though, none of them is even close to the level of Jokic, a guy who made history for how many times against the Suns? Let me ask you this: Who had? 30 points, 17 rebounds, and 17 assists in a playoff game. Who got 53 points and 11 assists in one playoff game? It's both ironic and not so much that the Nuggets lost the two games in which Jokic had the above numbers. One thing I love about him the most is that he is willing to do anything to help the team win. That's why the guy who is willing to let go of a triple-double season can play in such a dominant way individually, and that's why Jokic makes every of his teammates better. The series against the Suns proved that no one in today's NBA can contain Jokic by himself, not even Anthony Davis. When teams faced LeBron, they had to pick their poison between being beaten by LeBron or being beaten by his teammates. I wonder, do LeBron and the Lakers feel the same when they face Jokic and the Nuggets in the West Finals? And now we're on to the Suns. Before the playoffs started, I said that the Suns' goal is simple and clear.
it's a failure season for them unless they win the championship. They didn't win it, and it is indeed a failure season. It's very rare for Chris Paul to stay healthy in the postseason, especially for clutch games. You can't blame a guy for the losses he didn't even play in. Same can be said for Aiton, but only for Game Six. As for the other five games of the series, let's put it this way: I used to and still support Aiton for asking for a maximum extension, but his performance in the series explained to me in the best way. That why the Suns didn't want to give him the deal he wants. I get it. Aiton doesn't feel he is given the role he wants to or gets respected by the team in the way he wants. But buddy, you're a professional player who signed a four-year, 133 million contract. You need to act like one. Instead of standing outside the baseline and watch Jokic grab rebounds like apples while battling much thinner Kevin Durant to do it, one of the reasons I set the goal for the Suns as nothing but a title is Durant. But now I think I misjudge about him. Aging and injuries hurt his athleticism and strength much more than I thought. His spirit is still there. He still wants to be aggressive, but if you think Durant can still be a team's last resort for desperate times, think again. It's Durant's 16th season in the NBA, and he has played for four different teams so far. He is individually the best in OKC, made his most successful part of his career in the Warriors, learned how costly it is to make the wrong decision in the Brooklyn Nets. Now he's teammates with Devin Booker, who reminded the league of how Michael Jordan used to score in the postseason in some of his games. They definitely give the Suns reasons to stay hopeful, but perhaps the team should be more cautious when they are looking at hope. Now to the final series, the six games between the Heat and the Knicks are too physical and too rough to go into details, but also include too many details to be mentioned without clips. Jimmy Butler ceased to be as magical as he was against the Bucks, partly because of injury, partly because the Knicks guarded him more seriously, and partly because his teammates have figured out their formula for victory. Half of the Heat's regular rotations are undrafted players. It doesn't necessarily mean they're not good players, but says something about the talents and the potential the team saw in them or didn't see in them. That's why the Heat always make the most reasonable calls on both offense and defense. They don't make every shot, but they create more than enough open shots, especially from the outside. They don't have the best defenders on the court, but they are both focused and flexible enough to make the opponents work hard for every point. And when things don't work in the regular way, the Heat always had Butler as their go-to guy. The Knicks had a lot to digest from the lost series, like why did they sign that four-year, $170 million contract that will not end until 2026 with him? Like, can R.J. Barrett develop more offensive weapons to match his four-year, $120 million deal, especially from the three-point line? But one thing is for sure for the Knicks: signing Jalen Brunson is the best decision the team has ever made in the past 20 years. A lot of his teammates may change in the future, but as long as the team holds on to the guy who didn't rest at all and scored 
41 points to lead the Knicks to victory in Game 5 of the series against the Heat, there will still be hope for the team to grow better. I think that's all for today. Thank you for listening. Please let us know your thoughts on the topic under this post by CGTN Sports on Twitter. Probably I'll be talking to you guys very soon next week. See ya.